Welcome to the Aspieland Podcast. I'm your host, John Allen. Come with me on an adventure into the world of Asperger syndrome, also called autism spectrum disorder. Everyone is welcome here, whether you have the disorder or you're interested in learning more about it. We're here to help you understand, share, and relate. We're just about to get started, so come on in. Welcome once again to Aspieland. My name is John Allen, and I'm your host. This is a podcast for anyone that has Asperger's, also known as Autism Spectrum Disorder, knows or works with someone who has it, or is personally engaged with someone who has it. This podcast is all about understanding, acceptance, and relating with the Aspieland world and how to navigate living in that world within a neurotypical world. If you're new to this podcast, please know that you're in a place of acceptance. Now, if you haven't heard the first or second podcast, I would encourage you to listen to those before you listen to this one. Now, the reason I say that is because it'll give you a good idea of what I'm about by hearing my story and why I'm doing this particular kind of podcast. The title of our podcast is Nanu Nanu. <laughs> How many of you remember Mork and Mindy? That was uh, with Robin Williams. That was his first television sitcom, and he did a marvelous job doing it. Well, we'll talk about how feeling like an outsider is kind of like being an alien on a planet where no one understands you. A couple of quick reminders as we get started. Remember that you can catch us on the web at aspieland.org. Do not use the www at the beginning. So that's aspieland, A-S-P-I-E-L-A-N-D, .org. There you can read our mission statement. You can link to these podcasts. You can read my short bio, subscribe to Aspieland so that you're on the mailing list. And if you like, you can donate to the work here, both for the website and for the podcast. If you'd like to comment on the podcast or just say hello, or if you have a question, you can reach me personally at aspieland.org at gmail.com. Let me give you that again, aspieland.org at gmail.com. Shazmat, let's get rolling with Nanu Nanu. <laughs> Let me get started by saying that even though this episode of Aspieland is directed to those of us who have Asperger syndrome or autism spectrum disorder, it is by no means exclusive to us. If you have any contact with someone who has Asperger's, or perhaps you have a working relationship to one of us, or maybe you're just curious about the issue, you can certainly listen in. Understanding is the name of the game here. The more you understand the syndrome, the better you're able to interface it and hopefully embrace it. Now, you'll probably hear me say that over and over again in one way or another because it's so important. Just because we who have the issue seem so different, we really aren't. It's the way we see and engage the world that you live in, that is the neurotypical world, that makes us seem different. Now, I spoke on our first podcast of how I was feeling as a child and even more so as an adult, how I felt overwhelmed with the loneliness of being, quote, different, end of quote, and the solitude of being misunderstood and left out of even normal living? 
Well, sometimes those feelings are not only hard to live with, but really hard to describe. Now, I know in my head and in my heart, I can sense these feelings very deeply. But to put that into words, eh, that's another story altogether. To be perfectly honest, the entire Asperger's experience is difficult to put into words. I suppose the reason for that may be that it involves not only the mind, your reasoning, your decision-making, and other logical things, but it also involves all of your five senses, which are constantly in your head, right up there with what time is it and other common things. And last, but certainly not least, it involves the heart, your feelings, your emotions. When someone gives you that look that you get when you try to engage someone else or even try to talk with them, you get that ping in your heart of hearts. It's a deep feeling, sort of like being a sycamore tree in an orchard of apple trees. It's a feeling of oddness, of being utterly alone, even if you're in a room with a hundred people. Perhaps the best way to explain it is to tell you another story. But let me preface the story by telling you that the names of places, streets, and people have been changed, so everyone's protected. There were lots of kids in my neighborhood. Now that I think about it, there were a lot of kids everywhere. My town was predominantly Catholic, and that meant there were two things you could count on. A church on every third corner, and a bar and all the others. Now, during the 60s, being Catholic meant that you had to have as many kids as you could. So it was not uncommon for families with six or eight kids. In fact, I knew a few families that had 10 or 12 kids. And my town had houses everywhere. And there were big houses. And houses meant families. Families meant kids. And that was a gold mine for us as kids. It meant there was always someone to play with because... Putting it simply, the odds were always in your favor. Now, we lived on the only street in town that had an empty lot at the end of the street. No one exactly knew how the lot got there, whether it was an old house that was torn down years ago or a space that no one wanted to put a house on. It was just there. And for us kids, it was nirvana close to home. Since no one owned it, at least it looked that way, it was up for grabs, and the kids on old Robin Avenue took advantage of it. We played games on that lot every day we could. It suited the parents just fine. It was instant babysitter. Back in those days, when you left the house, the only rule was to get home by supper. Never mind watching the traffic, or don't talk to strangers, or not getting hurt, or keeping away from Mrs. Shane Labor's cats. We were just sent out to find our own fun, and the empty lot served that up in spades. It was the one place where if you showed up with a ball and bat, you were like sending out the call. Within seconds, okay, <laughs> a minute, every kid on our block was clamoring to find mitts and bats and all the stuff they needed to start a game. Well, once we all gathered, the older kids always decided which ones were too old, which was never a consideration, or too young, which was always a consideration, to play. Two kids would use a baseball bat to decide which team picked first. Now, the captain of each group usually was the oldest 
or the toughest, and every so often the loudest. My older brother always played. Occasionally, my second older brother would join in on a game as well. Now, when they played together, they were usually on different teams. I suppose that would be the I am better than you sort of thing, you know, brotherly love and all that. I knew quite a few of the kids that got together. We would all be there at first raising our hands and yelling, pick me, pick me. Now, as for myself, I didn't bother with the yelling. I placed myself right up front. Yes, sir, get right in their face so they can see you. That was my strategy. The first few picks were pretty much a given. Usually the strongest, the biggest, or the captain's best friend. Then it got down to brass tacks. The captains would look carefully, pointing as they looked while everyone had their hands in the air trying to get picked next. Tommy, the boy who lived next door to the empty lot, got picked, and Brian, who was my age, and Rob from further up the street, and so it went. One by one, they were slowly picked as the hands went down because after a while you, you figured out having your hand up never really worked anyway. When they got to the end, the only one left was me. Each side was picked. I was odd man out. It was an awkward moment, usually only lasting a few brief seconds, but for me, it was more like an hour and a half. I was frozen in time. I could sense the deep stab in my heart, and I felt like crying, but I didn't. That would mean I was a baby, and that title will kick you out of kingdom. No, I just stood there. Everyone else was going about the business of playing ball, acting as though I was not even there. No pats on the back or, gee, that's too bad. Now, sometimes the other kids would try to give me a job, like water boy or cheering section, mainly just to get me off the field so they could play. Yeah, Johnny, you'd make a great ball boy. Well, at first I believed it, but soon as the game started, I figured it out. I would stay and try to have fun watching the games, but it didn't work. The more I watched, the lonelier I felt. Now, keep in mind, I would never go home with my head down. Not me. Never. I would usually sneak away from the game when the other kids were all wrapped up in a big play or something. You know, and I never gave up, though. And to this day, I still don't quite know how I kept on trying. I knew in my heart it would always be the same. It made me feel so isolated to be left out that way, especially when you realize that this was happening all of the time on every encounter. I want you to try something for me. I want you to try to envision another being landing on Earth. You remember all those movies where beings from other planets would come down and take over and all that good stuff? Well, this is kind of like the same thing. So envision another being landing on Earth, but looking just like a regular human being. You remember Close Encounters with the elongated faces and the long skinny arms and the big eyes? Nothing like that. It looks just like you and I, a regular human being. Now, because this being couldn't figure out how to introduce himself, Earth people treated him as if he were odd, simply because he wasn't communicating like everyone else. Now, the being had trouble even looking others in the eye, understanding their jokes, and 
reading simple things like facial expressions and simple body language. Well, the being became singled out and ignored. He became a true alien. Consider that. That is what it feels like for those who have Asperger's. The feeling of being singled out and rejected left like an alien on their own planet. First, let's talk about how these feelings occur. Now, they occur when people in the neurotypical world pass us up, rejecting the thought of having anything to do with us because somehow we don't react the way they would normally expect. And that's correct because we are different. But it doesn't mean you have no value. Let me say that again because it's important. You are different but it doesn't mean you have no value. Our behavior hits neurotypicals as really strange or way different because for their world, it is different. And this is a two-way street. So what is normal for us as Aspies is not normal in the neurotypical world. And the reverse is also true, that what is normal for the neurotypical is not normal for Aspies. Now, this needs to be clearly understood from both sides of the aisle. So keep that in your mind and in your heart. Things are different from both sides of the aisle. Once when I was in middle school, I was sitting at the lunch table with a bunch of other kids. Some I had seen before and others I hadn't. When one of them sat next to me and said, hi, I froze in my seat. I stared at my sandwich like it was a final test. My mind was buzzing. What do I say? Maybe they won't like me. Oh, eat your sandwich. They weren't talking to you. Don't make a fool of yourself. That's what I would think. I'd look down at the table and I'd mumble something like, mm. The kid looked at me and then changed seats. He started talking to another kid next to him while looking at me as though I was really strange. Now, this was a terrible feeling for an Aspie because we really do want to talk and be friendly. We just don't know how to get the talking started. This is typical for those of us with Asperger's syndrome. Another thing people notice is the fact that most Aspies don't make eye contact. That's another one of those Asperger's syndrome issues I couldn't get to in the previous podcasts. Eye contact. I remember once I really fell for this girl. Now I'll call her Amy. She was cute and fun and everything I thought the right girl should be. Well, for a boy of 16 anyway. We were introduced by a mutual acquaintance, and we got along pretty good because, well, mostly because I didn't have to worry about starting the conversation. She did almost all of the talking. We saw each other every once in a while, and one day I was going to get up the gumption to tell her how much I liked her, which was a pretty big deal for me because most of all the girls I tried to talk to just looked at me walked away and giggled, which made me feel like I would never have a girlfriend, ever. Anyway, I spoke slowly, and I tried to get out a real eloquent sentence without blowing it and not having too much luck with it. I was stammering all over the place. Well, she was looking at me, and of course I couldn't make real eye contact. And she stopped me, and she asked me, why don't you look deep into my eyes? Well, I had no real answer for that. 
I had no idea why I couldn't look her in the eyes. I just knew that it freaked me out to look anyone in the eye, much less a girl I was trying to be charming with. <sighs> Needless to say, I never saw her after that. Not being able to look you in the eye doesn't mean that we have no interest in people, nor does it mean that we prefer to be left alone or that we're dishonest. No, actually, the opposite is true. The story I just told you is very typical and shows the creation of two things. For the Aspie, it verifies their fear that they are so different that they feel not just loneliness, but like being an alien on a planet where no one understands you or wants to for that matter. Now for the neurotypical, it creates the impression that the Aspie is not altogether is weird or somehow mentally off and unpredictable and therefore should be avoided. As an Aspie, you need to understand that it's okay to be nervous and it's okay to be yourself. Let me run that by you again so you get it. It's okay to be nervous and it's okay to be yourself. For the neurotypical, you need to understand that it's part of how our brain works that makes us react the way we do. Now, fellow Aspies, here's something I'd like you to try. Just say hi, okay? It's, it's going to be really hard. You need to concentrate, think about what you're going to say, and just plunge right in. Give it a shot once, just, just to see how it goes. Now, for you neurotypicals, you need to understand that we are not really weird or unnatural. We just need a little help to get the conversation going. Try helping start the conversation by maybe adding another question or paying a compliment. Be patient with us because Aspies can be a bit shy at first. Here's an exercise for those of you who are neurotypical. Think back and try to remember a time when you went somewhere and you didn't know anyone around you. Maybe your parents would take you to a long-lost relative's house that you never met before. Nearly everyone I know has had an experience like that. Think of how you felt. Maybe you felt really awkward because you didn't know anyone. Or maybe you just sat in a corner and you tried to cope with the idea that no one knows you and isn't paying any attention to you, much less wants to talk to you. Now think back to that feeling. Pretty lousy, right? Well, now you can understand how Aspies feel, except that we feel that almost everywhere we go, 24-7. You know, there's an utter emptiness that feeling of being an alien leaves you with. Loneliness and depression are some of the most common issues among those of us who have Asperger's. Something that I'm convinced doesn't need to be. Aspies are not looking for a gentle touch and an I'm sorry. We're not looking for sympathy. We're looking for friends. Looking for someone to accept us as we are with all of our faults and oddities. Yeah, sometimes we don't know what to say or how to react to the sensory overload, not to mention the emotional overload. And sure, we may be standoffish. We may even have that deer-in-the-headlights look once in a while. Does that mean we don't want to talk to people? Or that we prefer being alone in the corner of the room? Not at all. Not by a long shot. What you may see is the alien within us. The feeling like, we're always on the outside looking in, but longing to be on the inside looking out. You know how I spoke before about how Aspies have trouble starting conversations? One of the interesting things about Asperger's syndrome 
is that most of us, once we get started, can carry on a really intelligent conversation. That's one of the things we would love to do. Give us a chance. We may be a very pleasant surprise by turning out to be one of the best friends you will ever have. Well, I'm sorry to say it looks like we're out of time once again. I hope you'll join me for my next podcast. It'll come up two weeks from when this one was posted, and we'll talk again in Aspieland. Thanks for listening to my podcast. Remember to make sure to subscribe to our podcast and catch up on more information via our website at aspieland.org. If you'd like to donate to my work with this podcast, look for the donate page on aspieland.org. Thanks for visiting, and I hope you'll listen again.